0: Now, uh, we will read together uh, in our Bibles uh, a couple of uh, sections. First of all, from Ephesians chapter 2. So in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2, where we're going to hear of uh, temple imagery being used in the New Testament. And then we're going to turn to Haggai chapter 2 and read the first nine verses. So here in Ephesians 2, let's hear God's word. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In a sense, what we have there is a recognition that in God's purpose, The temple was always supposed to be a place of worship, not just for the Jews, but ultimately for the nations of the world. And and while the the physical temple uh, failed to do that, Jesus does. Now, Haggai chapter 2 in the Old Testament, towards the very end of the Old Testament, and we are going to read verses 1 to 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong Joshua son of Josedak, the high priest. Be strong all you people of the land declares the Lord and work for I am with you declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. This evening we're thinking about the fact that in this prophecy God's discouraged, disheartened people are being reminded that the best is yet to come. To help us to do that we need to step back in time. So I want to take you in your mind's eye to a building site in 520 BC. Where is this building site? It's in Jerusalem. And what is it that's being built or rather rebuilt? It's the temple where God would be worshipped. As we saw last week, that project had restarted in 536 BC. The foundation had been laid, but then opposition came, and so uh, for 16 years uh, the building site has uh, remained lifeless. Nothing has been happening. But now The project has restarted again with full speed. Uh, So we're on this building site and we're we're seeing a a temple be constructed, but then we also see some old men come by uh, to peer at how things are developing. And as they watch the building restoration take place, we see them weeping as they watch. Because they're old enough to remember in childhood the glory days of Solomon's temple. And they weep and they say it's not like it was in the old days. They ask themselves and others the question, where's the glory in this temple? And they are discouraged and that mood of discouragement spreads around the building site. And because the temple site is in the middle of the city, the city is beginning to feel that wave of discouragement. Enter Haggai. He comes onto the building. Was he wearing his hard hat? We don't know. But we definitely do know that he brings with him the Lord's message. And it's a message both of realism and hope. Yes, this temple, in a sense, is not and will not be as glorious as Solomon's. But future glory is coming. The best is yet to come. Now, as we come back to 2020, we live in that. Reality, as we thought about from Zechariah's language of the day of small things, where perhaps our circumstances and our our church, we don't feel very glorious, we don't feel super significant, but we also stand in twenty twenty knowing that that promise through Haggai has been fulfilled, that the greater glory of the temple has come because Jesus has come, and there's greater glory because. Uh, Now Jesus is constructing a living temple in the church, in in people like us who have faith in the Lord Jesus. And we too have the promise that for the church today, the best is yet to come. So we're going to think about uh, that, the the realism and the hope uh, in Haggai chapter 2. So first of all, uh, looking back, looking back at former glory, uh, the first five verses is where we're going to be. Now, notice again, uh, we're told when um, Haggai speaks. It's the second year of King Darius on the 21st day of the seventh month. Now, I am going to presume that we are at best rusty on our Persian calendar dating system. Uh, and we're also a bit hazy on how that would connect with a Jewish calendar. Okay, so that's, that's my position. I imagine I'm not alone in that. Um, this specific date, uh, so the experts tell me, it uh, comes during the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, so that date is important because it, it tells us that in the middle of a festival. What's the temple of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles? Well, this was um, something that they did every year. Every year God said to them live in tents for a week and it was to remind them of their time when they were in the wilderness before reaching the promised land. It was a time of anticipation anticipating glory to come and it's interesting that even when they were in the promised land they still had to go into their tents into their booths and anticipate there was greater glory still to come. And that's going to be significant for the message. Now, uh, everyone is gathered. We see Zerubbabel's there, Judah's there, the remnant are there, leaders and people are together for this festival. And what does Haggai do? Haggai, in verse 3, says, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Haggai deliberately draws attention to the lesser glory of what they're building compared to Solomon. Now, parents don't we teach our kids to do the exact opposite of this? It's like, you don't say that kind of thing. You don't point out the flaws in someone else. You've got to keep quiet about that. But here, Haggai deliberately draws attention to it. Why? You're thinking, if they're already feeling discouraged, surely when Haggai comes, this is going to discourage them further. But there's a point to what he's doing. He's pointed to reality, saying this is a time of lesser glory for God's people. If we just for a minute compare Haggai's day with the glory days of Solomon, you know, that's often described as the golden age, the reigns of King David and King Solomon. That was a time when they enjoyed freedom, but now they're ruled by Persia. and that was a time when their territory was, was large and they were at peace. Now, it's Jerusalem and a little bit around And they're controlled by outside influences. Then uh, they were regarded as great and glorious in that that region. They had um, established dominance over surrounding nations, but now they are small and weak and fragile. So this is a time of lesser glory and the temple that's being built is a reflection of that wider reality. But here's the thing. And here's where this isn't discouraging for the people. Yes, their glory may have changed, it may have diminished, but God and his glory has not. And God, we're told in verse 4, keeps his promises. I am with you, verse 5, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit... Remains among you. So he keeps his promises. He's given them his presence. He is with them. There is a reminder that the same redeemer God who brought them out of Egypt is the same God who is for them today. And that's supposed to have an impact on on how they feel and how they act on the building site. So knowing this, the people of God are to, verse 4, be strong. Three times, Zerubbabel, be strong, Joshua, be strong, all you people of the land. makes me think of um, Joshua. I remember when Joshua takes over from Moses. And it's his job to lead the people in conquest into battle to take possession of the promised land. And, and God frequently says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And again, it's the same reason because God is with them and God is working out his purposes. So they are to be strong and, verse 4, they are to work They are to keep on building this temple because uh, this temple represents um, God being with them. It represents a place of worship so that they might worship God. It is a place where sacrifices can be made so that forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration might happen. It's a place where the glory of God might be known, where the reputation of God might spread through the nation and through the nation. So they are to be strong and they are to work. And verse five, they are not to fear because they are to trust in the God who is with them. So they're to look back, they're looking back and seeing the former glory, but they are to take heart. To take heart because God remains with them. As Zechariah chapter four says, don't despise the day of small things. Isn't this something that we need to hear In our own setting today. Probably everybody has a sense of. When was the glory day of the church? Some of us if we like church history. We might think back to the 16th century. To the reformation. Uh, Maybe for older generations. We might think back to our childhood. And people might look and think. Well the church before the wars. That was sort of golden age in present. Maybe we just think. Life before COVID, uh, the church felt like a golden age, because at least we could be together. Today, I imagine for many of us, we feel weak. As Christians, we feel disconnected and more isolated from our our brothers and sisters. The church seems small. Uh, In our nation, it doesn't have the the position of of influence and respect that, that once it did, because God's name, God's word, God's glory... God's gospel, the Lord Jesus, don't have the same position that they used to. And we could be discouraged by that, but God would have us take heart. Because God is with his people. Jesus promised, I am with you always. Jesus sent the Spirit so we wouldn't be alone, so we wouldn't be like orphans. God still keeps his promises. God made a covenant promise and Haggai reminds the people of that. God has made a new covenant with the church in and through the body and blood of the Lord Jesus given for us in sacrifice to remove our sins, to bring us to God and and God will keep his promise to be God for us. Take heart because God will receive glory Take heart because God is building his kingdom. He is establishing a living temple. And as Jesus said, not even the gates of hell, not that the powers of the devil are powerless to resist that movement of God's grace. So, So this is a call to work in our day of small things, at the small things that we are called to do. We're called to serve faithfully, to live for God in our families, to live as servants of God in our workplaces, whatever that looks like nowadays, to serve faithfully in the church, to come together where possible as the church, whether that's on Sundays or whether it's to pray or in community group, to love and encourage and build one another up and bear one another's burdens, to serve faithfully in worshipping on Sundays and all through the week. And we do that not depending on our own strength, but just as Haggai said, depending on the God who is with us, God's presence and God's power. And as we do that, remember what we read in Ephesians 2. Jesus, he is the true temple. He is the cornerstone that God has laid, that precious cornerstone on which the church is built. The living temple is both built on Jesus, on his words, on his truth, and built by Jesus as he draws men and women and boys and girls to faith in himself. And so we worship Jesus because he is our Emmanuel, he is God with us. He is the one who in his body, the the new covenant has been established and he sends the spirit. So these words from the Lord we see fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus. So yes, the church today may not seem glorious, but never forget Jesus, our King is glorious, always will be glorious. And he is pursuing his glory in us, through us, in the world. So keep building. Keep building by sharing the gospel, making much of Jesus. Using Advent, for example, whether it's those videos, whether it's sharing devotional thoughts or reflections, whether it's just talking about the reason for Christmas, sharing the gospel both inside the church, because we never want to move away from God and his grace. We never want to take for granted what Jesus has done for us in his life, death and resurrection, but also sharing the gospel outside the walls of the church or the community of God's people. And we keep building also in the sense that we want to support both local and global mission. One of the reasons that we uh, during lockdown and, and ongoing restrictions have had so our missions uh, speakers come to us month after month is so that we would be reminded that we have work to do in supporting a global mission for the glory of God. Uh, so there is former glory uh, and there's reality, but also hope. But then Haggai encourages a looking forward to see greater glory. Now, uh, in Morningside, uh, we have a sister church, a church plant by the name of Cornerstone, uh, and uh, their building project is nearly done, and that's that's good news. Um, last week, I was watching their uh, promotional uh, video. And it was interesting to see how they, they did it. And in a sense, it, there's a pattern uh, that we can probably de- detect uh, that we see in Haggard. Uh, so um, one things that the, the, the video did was sort of go to the old schoolhouse and say, here was this iconic building in its heyday at the heart of the community. You see lots of old pictures and you'd see uh, there it is uh, as the school and uh, sort of heart of the community. And then now, in its present state, uh, you see it as a building site. And I guess, uh, unless you know the plan uh, and you know uh, the trajectory, you might think, yikes, how can this be good? How can anything good come out of this or rubble and ruin and exposed walls and all those kind of things? And in a sense, the the video goes on to respond to that because it keeps bringing us back to artists' impressions of the finished article. So you're constantly looking forward uh, with hope for what it will become. And we can pray for Cornerstone as they look to, so to um, share the gospel with people in the Morningside community. But also as they look to be a church planting centre where we can remember uh, them. Uh, but let's go back to Haggai on his building site. So he's looked back. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same glorious Solomon's temple. But he's also looking forward. He's saying there's something so glorious coming that it's going to make Solomon's temple look like a garden shed. Now, how is that? Haggai is very careful to say it's not going to be because of your architectural skill. It's not going to be the gold and silver that you bring. It's not because of your hard work. How is that? It's because God himself will act for his glory to give and to bring glory. Now, one word that helps us to think about this is the word shaking. Verse six, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what's desirable. All nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory. Now. The prophets of the Old Testament, many of them, spoke of the day of the Lord, a decisive day in history when God would intervene at the end of the age. And that shaking is Haggai's way of talking about the day of the Lord. And what he anticipates, as God gives this message, is of the world being turned right side up. And that plays itself out because there is this picture of nations becoming worshippers. And that is seen in them bringing their wealth to the temple. But crucial to this shaking, for our purposes, is when God said in verse 7, I will fill this house with glory. So the difference between Solomon's temple and Haggai's temple wasn't the um, size of the building. They were actually pretty similar archaeologists tell us. And it wasn't so much the fact that Solomon's temple had a of gold and silver and Haggai's didn't have so much. The difference is, is that when Solomon dedicated his temple, the glory cloud came down. God's glory filled the temple so the priests had to to get out because God was so glorious and he was present in his temple. Now that hadn't happened in Haggai's day but but then Haggai brings this wonderful news from God in verse 9. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house and in this place I will grant peace. Now how can that be? And we need to recognise this didn't happen in Zerubbabel's day And it didn't happen in the rest of the Old Testament era. We need to wait for fulfilment to the coming of Jesus. That promise of greater glory is fulfilled in Jesus. Again, John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen what? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. So here's this wonderful reality. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, the full radiance of God's glory, comes to the earth. And Jesus is the Lord who then in his lifetime comes to his temple. And actually, one of the things that we see in the Gospels and we see in his ministry is Jesus is is making clear that he takes over from the temple. If you want to enjoy the presence of God, don't go to the temple, come to me. If you want to worship, it's not in the the temple. You worship in spirit and truth and you worship through Jesus. If you're looking for a a sacrifice uh, that reconciles you to God and brings you forgiveness, don't go to the temple with an animal. Come to Jesus and his death on the cross. Jesus takes over from the temple and Jesus has more glory than Solomon's temple. And then we think about Matthew and the way Matthew's Gospel talks about the death of Jesus and significantly he uses the language of shaking. Matthew 27, 51, you can look it up. At the death of Jesus, two things happened. The curtain of the temple it was torn in two and the earth shook and the rocks split. The curtain of the temple is interesting because... One of the reasons Jesus judges the temple and the leaders over the temple is because um, God's house was meant to be a house for all nations, uh, but it had become restricted and closed just to uh, the Jewish people. And so the temple curtain torn in two was saying, access to God is now open and it's open to anyone who will believe in the Lord Jesus. So this shaking, back to this shaking concept, this shaking began... What Haggai was looking forward to, it began when Jesus died. His redeeming work is a a shaking. It's God intervening in a decisive way. Now the way is open to God. Now Jesus, the true temple, it makes it possible for people from all nations to come to him. And that shaking that began at the cross will continue until the return of Jesus. And when Jesus returns, this promise will be truly fulfilled. When Haggai says the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, when Jesus returns, his unimaginable glory will be revealed. And all the people of God will get to enjoy his glory and to see his glory and to live in the new heaven and the new earth. Where we can enjoy his glory forever, enjoy his presence forever. Verse 9, we will enjoy unbroken peace forever, true well-being. To go back to verse 7, this shaking, it brings in worshippers from the nations. Jesus receives glory as the true temple, but also as he builds this living temple, to use Ephesians 2 language, as he builds the church. In Ephesians 2, Jesus in his body on the cross, he makes peace, peace between us and God and makes peace between different nations so that we can be all one in Christ Jesus. He builds us into a holy temple in the Lord. Where does God dwell now? Ephesians 2 says God dwells in his people, in his church. And so together we're enjoying greater glory. We enjoy the presence of God with us and we look ahead to more still to come. So Haggai does this wonderful thing in this beautiful building site sermon. He takes them from small things to eternal glory. He says, yes, your temple is is less glorious, but your God is not. He says, look forward because future glory is coming. Jesus, God's true temple is coming. We know how that glory is seen. And one day, Jesus uh, will uh, rule over the new heaven and the new earth. This whole new cosmos will be his temple where our king dwells and we will be with him. So today, in our small things, we are called to to work and we are called to worship and we're called to wait with expectation, knowing that for us truly the best is also Yet to come